KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal. A Quiet Place Part 2 was supposed to hit the multiplexes in March 2020, immediately after its world premiere in New York. But the film went back on the shelf to wait out the pandemic, rather than becoming streaming fodder. And lucky that it did, because it's worthy of the big screen. Speaking professionally, I have to say that no sequel could have been as distinctive as the 2018 original Speaking personally, though, I need to say that the critic screening was my first time in a movie theater since the COVID-19 shutdown, and I was so glad to be there, so gobsmacked by the enormous images and immense sounds and eerie silences that I may not be the best judge of the picture's ultimate worth. The action begins just after the first film ends, post-apocalypse with the world still blighted by blind monsters who listen for the slightest sound and devour the hapless human who made it. The surviving members of the Abbott family are visibly older, mainly the sister Regan and her kid brother Marcus, but nothing is made of that which is perfectly fine. And Emily Blunt gives her all once again as the mother. The film is full of good ideas executed well, but the one inspired idea is transforming Regan into a full-fledged action heroine. She's the already brave and resourceful deaf daughter, played by Millicent Simmons, who's deaf in real life, and Simmons and her role are a perfect fit. When I reviewed the original, I expressed gratitude for what I called sensory underload, or the artful use of silence to represent Regan's auditory perspective, but also to heighten the suspense, the tiniest sound being capable of triggering a creature's attack. The sequel is equally good at alternating between sound and silence. Long stretches could pass for a silent movie as before. Some of those stretches are almost excruciatingly intense or claustrophobic, but the film falls short in other ways. The pace is slow, even though the running time is only 97 minutes. The original ran 90 minutes, but that included six minutes of end credits. At one point, the elegantly simple style is cluttered by garden-variety zombies, and the use of intercutting for suspense is almost comically abusive. Still, the main performances are exceptional, and the settings are memorable, and the impact of the premise is amplified exactly as it should be by the theater's big-screen umpteen speakers and subwoofers. Remember theaters? To get to them, you have to leave your apartment or house and go outside. Then you pay to go inside, where you sit in the dark with people you may or may not know, and take in a spectacle that's vastly bigger than yourself. It's an amazing way to see a movie. I'm Joe Morgenstern. I'll be back on KCRW next week with more reviews. KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.